Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, we are uh, walking through the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is dealing with a very unique subject because it is dealing with Jewish Christians who became Christian based out of the fact that they had an encounter with the Messiah, Jesus. But all of their friends and all their family members are Jewish, and they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. And they're most likely living in Jerusalem. And as they live there in Jerusalem, they're seeing all their friends go to the temple. They're seeing all the priestly sacrifices. And in the midst of all that they're seeing, there's this moment that they're having where they are being persecuted for loving and wanting to know Jesus more. Meanwhile, the entire culture around them is distracting them. They're moving away from Jesus. And the author of this book is trying to get them to stand, trying to get them to look, trying to get them to focus on Christ while everything else is distracting them. Last week, we talked about angels. And essentially, what they were saying is maybe Jesus is an angel. And the author writes, Jesus is far greater than angels. In fact, he would say that angels worship Jesus. But a question they also had was, maybe Moses. Maybe Moses is greater than Jesus. Moses was a national hero that they had. And herein lies the tension that they had. As Jewish believers, their entire culture is beginning to follow Moses, but for them, they know they want to worship Jesus. With this tension in the text in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it reads like this. He's dealing with the cultural problem. He says in verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. So he says, listen, Moses was faithful to do what God was calling him to do. Jesus also is faithful. So you see that word repeated there. They both are faithful to do what God is telling them to do. But in verse three, he says, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. So look at that word, more glory. Jesus should be getting more attention than Moses. And then he says in verse five and six, now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So he says, Moses is a servant. And he uses this imagery of a house. The house he's talking about is Israel. Moses served Israel. He was part of Israel. But Jesus, he's the son of God. And he has a position far greater than a prophet. A position far greater than the one who brought the law, who was Moses. Jesus would say in John chapter 5, verse 46, for if you believed in Moses... You believe in me. You would believe in me. For he wrote of me. So he's saying, 
Moses wrote about rituals. Moses wrote about sacrifices. Moses had all the priestly things happening in the Mosaic law. But all of these things really were pointing to me. That if you look at sacrificial worship, that's really what I am about, right? So he says, all those things were pointing to me. So why does Jesus, why is he doing all this? The writer is doing this because the people were putting up the fact that they followed Moses as a means to distract them or take away from the fact that they didn't really want to follow Jesus as much. In other words, they had this spiritual pedigree and in the end, they thought to themselves, well, if I follow Moses, why should I need to follow Jesus too? This kind of habit in the heart, this idea that you have some spiritual pedigree, it happens in church too. People are saying, hey, I follow Moses, so I don't need to follow as much anymore. We do the same thing positionally. I've asked people, um, tell me about your relationship with God. They're like, you know, my daddy's a deacon. And I'm like, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> tell me about your relationship with God. I was in the choir since I was two, and so praise God. Tell me about your relationship with God. Man, I went on this mission trip, and amazing we tend to fall into rituals and symbols more than we do intimacy, right? There, there's a habit of our heart towards religion and law. And, why, and so what they're saying is, hey, leave me alone. I follow Moses. I have a pedigree. I'm Jewish and I follow this camp. And because I follow this camp, no need to examine where I'm at. And church, here's what the word of God is opening up our hearts to look at today. Verse six, and I'd like for us to read that together. Verse six, on three, one, two, three. And we are his house if indeed we are hold fast our confidence and boasting in our hope. Now, what does he say? He says, hey, the house, that's Israel, that's God's people, right? And then he says, well, Moses, he served in the house. And Jesus, he served over the house. But he says, are you sure you're in the house? In other words, what he is getting at is the house here is the people of God. And he asks a very powerful question when he says, if, that's conditional. He says, I know you follow Moses, I know you have a spiritual pedigree. I know you've done great things in the past, but where are you at with God now? Because he says, if we indeed hold fast our confidence and boasting, do you still have the same boast you had in the past? Do you have the same confidence in God that you had in the past? Because your past resume does not indicate current intimacy. Does that mean you're close to God because you did great things in the past? That's what he's getting at. And they, they're waving the look at Moses. And, then, and this is what the author, this author is a savage. Because what he does is he says, you know what? Let's do this. Let's take a second to think about, did the people, you know, you're saying you follow Moses. What about the people that actually followed Moses? Did they follow Moses? Like, let's just take a second to think about that. I mean, you're saying you follow Moses. Well, 
What does it look like when people follow Moses? And that kind of opens up this Jewish history, this picture of looking at the stories of God. And so he presses in in verse seven. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Now, we'll, next week, we're going to be looking at chapter four. So feel free to fast forward next week. And we're going to be talking about this imagery of rest. But he says there in Hebrews uh, 3, 7 through 11, there's this imagery he's talking about today, hear his voice. And he's given this imagery from Psalm 95 of not obeying, of entering into rebellion. And there he's getting at this idea that the Hebrew people were for 400 years slaves in Egypt, 400 years. And so for those 400 years, you look and you see them crying out to God, crying out to God. Even now in the New York Times, they're giving this imagery of 1619 to 2019, 400 years since slavery and the power of oppression in its lineage and how it's still affecting our country today. Well, 400 years, they were under the thumb of Pharaoh. 400 years, they felt degradation and pain. 400 years, they cried out for God to change things. And all of a sudden, Moses shows up. When Moses showed up, he has 10 plagues he does. And the people are like, yo, this is amazing. God's going to set us free. And then the Red Sea parts. And all of a sudden, they're walking across the Red Sea as on dry land. And the people following them, the Egyptians, they are killed by the water coming back. And then they go into the wilderness and there's this pillar, this cloud, this fire that God is showing his presence. Then they get hungry and they're like, man, we need food. We need some manna. And God gives them food. He gives them quail. Their clothes never run out. God does Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And then God says, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I want you now to go into the promised land because I did not intend for you to always be in the wilderness and I did not intend for you to always be in slavery. I want you to be in the promised land. And so the spies get sent out, Numbers 13. And they told him, they told, they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. It's lit. We love it. It's got big old fruit, verse 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. You know what the descendants of Anak are? Giants. These are huge people. They're like, look, the cities are fortified, meaning they've got military prowess and the people are huge. Now, it's got milk and honey, like there's benefits, but like I'm not trying to do all that. 
Now, what God was calling them was into war. And we got to give Israel a little bit of a break here. These aren't war people. They ain't never been in no war. They got into a few fights growing up, but you know what I'm saying? They grew up good. They had no problems. Now God is saying, I want you to take over the land, take over these giants. And they're like, that's not what we do. Do you know what the people said? God, we liked it when we got to watch your miracles, but we don't want to be a part of a miracle. We liked it when we watched you go to war on our behalf, but we don't want to have to go to war with you. I love the way you worked in my life in the past, but now you want to do a new thing, and I'm not feeling it. And so here's what they say. The giants are too big. This problem is too big. This new thing is too big. It's so big that it is bigger than you, God. They included all the details except that God was strong. They talked about how big everything is except the bigness of God. And so fear took over. And the one thing that they did not do was move forward with God and what he intended them to be. You see, obedience isn't this imagery of just master and servant. Obedience is designer. It is creator and creation. It is God calling you to be what you have intended to be. God intended them to be in the promised land. He designed them for the promised land. He made them for the promised land. And even though they had not been to war, he made them war ready with his power. And the reality was God was calling them to a deeper level of obedience, which meant a deeper level of dependence, which means a deeper level of submission. And we don't like to sign up for that. I liked it when you did the miracles in the past and I got to watch them. I like watching the water. Y'all remember the water when it was up there? Like, yo, look at the Red Sea. Like, look at God. Look at what God is doing. And I got to watch God. But now I got to walk with God more. I really need you to fight this battle for me, God. Because I'm not, I'm not a war. That's not what I do, baby. That's not what I do. I don't do war, God. Like, that's, kind of a, that's not the kind of obedience I signed up for. Right? And so now, to go to a different place with God, God is now calling them to a new thing. God is operating with them in a new way. And they didn't like it. And so, here's what the people said. In Numbers 14, the people said, in verse 2, what? That we would have died in the land of Egypt. So they're like, man, wouldn't it have been dope if we died in slavery? Yo, that would have been hot. Great. Verse four, and they said to one another, now they're like, yo, let's choose a leader. Let's go back to Egypt. Yo, Egypt was so lit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Slavery and bondage, that was so hot. But Israel is a picture of us because there comes a point where we can presume that going back to bondage is better than obedience. Because the burden of walking with God day by day, daily obedience is a sacrifice. Doing what you want in the morning, what is that? Like I wake up and just do what I want. 
I live how I want. It's a struggle, but at least I don't have to focus on every day focusing on God and just seeing God and, oh, God, I need your presence. I don't want to do all that. I just want to, I want to be like some of my friends who just live their life and do their own thing. You see, because God is a burden too. Walking with God is a burden. And Jesus invites us not just to nice chapels and songs. He invites us to a Calvary road of dying daily to self. And so what's happening here is there comes a place in our walk, church, where God calls us to something that we believe is impossible. He calls us to a next step, a next place. He draws us into that. And we can be at a place where you've been walking in the house of God, but you've never truly believed. But you can also be at a place where you've been walking with God and there's a place that God's calling you and you're just simply deciding to live in unbelief. Where you're like, God, I need you, I need to see, I, I, just, I gotta make sure it works out. Well, that's the very antithesis of faith. I mean, wouldn't you love that? I would love, God, give me the secret code to know exactly how this is going to work out. Yo, the walk with God would be unbelievable, right? Like, who would not follow God if you knew how everything was going to work out from following God? Who wouldn't want that? Savior of the world, creator, give me the plan for my life in detail, I don't, I don't want the cliff notes. I want everything. Who wouldn't follow the Lord? But we walk by faith, not by sight. And what did they see? They saw giants. And right now, because, because you're in this world, there is a giant in front of you. And there's a good chance that giant can be bigger in your eyes than God. And God still says, go forward. So this is what happens. Um, Caleb, Caleb in Numbers 13, Caleb stands up. He quieted the people before Moses. says, yo, let's, listen, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are able. We are well able to overcome it. So there was one leader saying, yo, we can do this. We can do it, y'all. Listen, let's follow God. And it doesn't say this in the text, but in a lot of ways, Caleb was like, what do you mean we can't conquer this? We just, we're, we've been out of Egypt and he's been, he's been good to us. Come on, y'all. We can go this next step of obedience. And God placed Caleb there to be the prophet, to be the one saying, no, let's follow God, even though it's hard. Let's depend on God, even though it is hard. And we must have Caleb's in our life to say, keep going. Because all the spiritual pedigree of the past doesn't mean you're going to be obedient today. All the knowledge you have, that doesn't mean you're going to be obedient today. Because you did great things with God, for God, by God in the past, doesn't mean you're going to be obedient today. 
all the insights you have will not lead to submission. Unbelief is not the inability to understand, but the unwillingness to trust. Trusting God for the next step. Trusting God in a new area. Trusting God in a new and fresh way. The walk gets harder. Because God begins to operate with you in a new and a fresh way. So what do we need? In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, this is what the author of Hebrews says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to, listen, fall away. Just fall, like, I've been good. I'm just going to fall back from the promised land. Like, this is not where I'm not trying to go further. Fall away from the living God. He says in verse 13, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're going to get into that in just a second. Do you know, it's really, really interesting words he used here, but he keeps bringing up this idea of unbelieving, evil, deceitful, rebellion. And I'm sure the people of Israel are like, yo, come on now. We just were scared. Like, <laughs> is it all, did we do all that? Or did we just, were we scared? I mean, give me a break, right? And when you look at this, you think to yourself, why is the text coming so hard at this idea, using the imagery of these people afraid to go into the land, why is it coming so hard at this imagery of an unbelieving heart? Why is it using the word rebellion? Growing up. Um, you might have had this moment. I had this moment growing up. Your mother, she said, um, when I get home, I need you to wash the dishes. Like, before I get home, I need you to wash the dishes. I need the dishes to be washed. And instead, you got caught up in your show, on the phone. Time flew by. Before you knew it, the dishes still there. And you just, it, you, you weren't trying to like wild out. It's just, you got caught up in doing something else. And there you are playing your video game, talking to your friends, doing your thing, watching your show. And then you heard the door. And the door began to open and you looked slowly. And you couldn't move quick enough. And you looked at the door, and your mama walked in. And she looked at you, and she looked at the dishes. And she looked at you, and she looked at those dishes. And she said those faithful words, I thought I told you. Huh? I don't know how that spread throughout all of society. That phrase, I thought I told you to wash the dishes. 
Now, were you being openly rebellious? Open rebellion is your mom comes to the door and says, I thought I told you to wash dishes. And you go up and you put your finger on her forehead and said, I don't wash dishes. <laughs> now step. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't wash dishes. Yeah. Yeah, we got some, some things going to change up in here. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to wash no dishes. I'm not vacuuming. I'm not doing none of that no more. So get out of here. You know, you did you? But even though you weren't openly rebellious, your mother was still upset with passive disobedience. And God's wrath is the same. Disobedience is not a matter of how much antics and theatrics you brought to it. You just didn't do what God said do. And God longs for obedience in your life, not because he is trying to be the same kind of master Pharaoh was, driving slaves into the ground. He is creator, he's designer, he knows how you work best. He knows where you've been tended to be. He designed your mind, your gifts, your heart, your soul. Obedience is operating in the way you were intended to live. And so God calls us to this obedient space. And yet, look what he says in the text. He says that we may have a hardened heart. A hardened heart. It is when you, any kind you have a hardened like hand, callousness, you're insensitive. You don't feel the same way you used to. And when he talks about this hardened, calloused heart, he is essentially saying, what once bothered me doesn't bother me anymore. I don't have the same sensitivity to God's voice. I don't hearken to what God has to say in the same way. I don't feel the same urgency towards obedience. I don't run to him in the same way I used to. My heart has become hard. And the hardening of the heart oftentimes comes because God is calling us to be in a place that we don't want to be. He's calling us to a deeper level of obedience. Or we simply just want to do what we want to do. Our hearts often can become hard because we've become soft to something else. You can fall in love with anything If you want to be famous and God doesn't make you famous, your heart can become hard to God, hard to God because he didn't accelerate you the way that you thought. He didn't exalt you at the space you thought in the same pace. And so you still come to church, but you don't run. You walk now. Oh, you know, God is good. I mean, kind of. And he says something very powerful, church. He says that there is a deceitfulness of sin that can only be dealt with by exhorting one another every day. If we look at 
three verses that Jesus is, I'm sorry, that the author is getting at. He says kind of this same thing again and again. In verse 7 and 8, he says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. He repeats the same idea, like a preacher repeating. He says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Then in verse 13, he says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you would be, uh, none of may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So he's getting at this idea that every day, today, 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 you need to be careful because all of our hearts can become hard. Well, my heart was soft yesterday, but worry about today. Today. He says, because sin is And you could have been passionate on Monday, and you'll be surprised how far you can go on Tuesday. He says, so what you need is to exhort one another every day because sin is so deceitful. You know who's a liar? The devil. The devil is a liar. Amen. Devil, devil is a liar. Let me, let, me, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Now, don't look at anybody. Don't point at anybody. Don't think about anybody. But do you know some liars? Like, do you know some people that just lie? Like, you, like when they say, you're like, mm, that's kind of like, it's probably 30% accurate, right? Like, you know some people that just lie. They just lie. That's just what they do. Do you know who lies to you more than anybody else? You. We are experts at self-swindling ourselves. Self-justification is part of what we do. We, we lie to the sinful patterns that we have. <laughs> I'm not lusting. I'm just looking at God's creation. <laughs> <laughs> Want to see what God created. I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I'm not hard to deal with. People just don't like to always be around me. We self-justify. And what he says is you need a constant exhortation today. And what he is getting at is the heart of fellowship. Because we can all become hard. And we all don't realize how quickly we can slip into a life and pattern of disobedience and fall away. And he's saying there's a very good chance that two years from now, some of you may not be walking with God anymore. Because we thought, oh, she's on the connect team. Oh, she's, oh, look, she good because she here. But what about today? And you need someone in your life today. Shameless plug. This is why we do city groups. shameless shameless plug seriously and I and I, I I'm very careful about even what this is what I'm talking about I'm very careful about talking about my own spiritual resume but I have been in ministry for 21 years I've been doing bible studies for 21 years I have been preaching sermons for 21 years I have been walking with people and helping them grow for 21 years. And here's what we do not realize. 
we see people with these spiritual badges and we see people, you know, because they've done things. And then we see people because they're gifted and we give them a pass. And no, even if you do love God, you can still slip into a life of being hard and insensitive and have patterns in your life. And you need people to speak in as long as it's called today. I, um, I was, um, was coming out my driveway. I have a parking lot where I'm at. I'm blessed. I was just not going to lie. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So I have, a, I have a parking lot where I am in my apartment. And I'm coming out, and a dude is blocking my driveway. So, no, no, no. I love, I love the Lord. So I gave, I, gave, I gave them the kind tap. You know, the kind, like, teat. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey... You're in the beep, you're in the wet, pop. You know, just nothing like, not, ha, hey, hey, hey. And he looked at me and looked away. So I'm like, oh, you know what? He just, hey, hey. Hey. So now we make eye contact and he got out the car. So I have my kids in the car. And he gets out, and so I get out. And he starts yelling, and I start yelling. And he starts to turn up, and I'm just like, what do you want to do? Whatever. I'm down for whatever. Right here, right here. I'm down for whatever. Everything you want, I can give it to you. You could could take me out, but you will not intimidate me. Oh, no. We're going to go at it. So we're just, he's going at it. I'm, I, and I'm trying to get out. And my kids are in the car. I'm like, y'all just chill. And I'm going in, right? He gets back in his car. He moves up. I start driving. He looks at me. I look at him. My wife's like, baby. I'm like, and I give him that look. And he looks. And then we just stare at each other. And I drive off. And while I'm driving, I'm just like, who do you think? <laughs> I wish, I wish. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They just think. That's what they think. That's what they thought. You know what I'm saying? You feel that feeling, right? Like, so now I'm talking to myself. My kids are like, Daddy, I'm like, shh. And I'm driving. I'm just like, yo, people think, yo, they're just crazy out here. So I'm driving. I find a parking spot. We drop our kids off. I'm sitting down. And the people called my name. And then I preached the most fire Good Friday service I've ever preached in my life. I mean, I preached a word that night. People came up to me, yo, pastor, pastor, God is in your life. Like, yo, like seriously, like my life changed because of you. Thank you, the spirit of God. Spirit of God, like people prayed over me, like keep walking with God. Like that was amazing. That was amazing, amazing. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. I get back in the car. My wife was like, wow. 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 And she didn't really have to say nothing. 
Because one hour, I can be shouting about the glory of God. And just one hour before, I was ready to shout this man down and do whatever. And if I am radically compartmentalized with my sin, what does that say about us? That you can keep your walk with God in compartments. And you need someone today. And this is not only for, obviously, moments like that. But God has called some of you to heavy burdens in your life. It is weighty. You are in a trial right now, and it is weighing on your mind. And you can easily just sleep, slip into forgetfulness. You can forget that he did the 10 plagues. You can forget the Red Sea. You can forget the manna. You can forget the pillar and the fire. You can forget all the miraculous ways that God worked in your life. And someone needs to look over and say, today. Trust God today. He's faithful today. And so I exhort you today to not slip into a pattern of presumptiveness, but instead live a life of submission and obedience to God and walk with him. And when we, when we announce city groups, I pray you join to get people in your life to walk with you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would continue to open our eyes to the grace of God. God, we pray that you would continue to open our eyes to how hard our hearts can become. You talk about the deceitfulness of sin, the weight of sin. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that tonight that you would give us a fresh touch. Give us a fresh heart. God, keep us from a hard heart. Keep us from the stoniness that the world can create inside of us. Keep us from the frustrations that we have. God, we want to be obedient to you. We want everything you've called us to be. And so, God, we want to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you'd stand with me. Tonight, we open you up. We ask that you would partake in this time of communion. Think for a second that this is symbolic of a death that was for you. Christ giving himself unto you. His body broken for you. His blood poured out for you. God calling you tonight to a deeper level of obedience. And he wants us to do business with him. He wants us to examine our walk with him. God, is there anywhere that you're calling me to and I've just simply said no? Is there anywhere that you are calling me to where I'm not openly saying no, I'm just quietly denying what you've said? 
God, change my heart where I've been ignoring your voice. Do business with God tonight. Do business with God tonight. Do business with him. Open yourself up to his voice. If we could have the communion come. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.